welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Brock Feeney is a young man in a serious hurry. It's Matt Payne here and you're listening to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, powered by Motivate Training. At the age of 18, Feeney will enter his second Bathurst 1000 in October as a super cheap auto wildcard with Bathurst winner and supercars legend Russell Ingall alongside. His rise from carts through Toyota 86s to being Super 3 champion and now in the Triple Eight Super 2 squad has been meteoric. Although he grew up around the sport, Brock's forged his own pathway through lessons learned by watching some of the greats. Away from the track, Brock was training in a mechanical apprenticeship and work on his own race cars to bring more knowledge to the race team. He's also gone from being the student of Paul Morris at Norwell Motorplex to the teacher with some young kids making their transition into motorsport careers. In this podcast, he talks about many of his lessons throughout his young motorsport career to date and also the importance of looking after sponsors. Particularly how Boost Mobile planting a small seed led to Brock sitting on the Bathurst grid alongside James Courtney the weekend of his 18th birthday. Time to start the engine, kick back and enjoy the latest ride on the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, powered by Motivate Training. For Brock Feeney, the youngster from Carrara on the Gold Coast. Congratulations to Brock. 15 years of age, youngest ever race winner in the Toyota 86 Racing Series. Championship goes the way of the 16-year-old Brock Feeney is the champion of 2019. The most consistent kid in the paddock is also the youngest. Scott Pye, 2012 Homebush, last win in Super 2 for Triple Eight. They've had a bunch of drivers, including Casey Stoner since then, but now it's Brock Feeney. Great to have this young fellow with us on the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, powered by Motivate Training this week. Brock Feeney, how's it going, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. Been fantastic to get you on the podcast and uh, tell your story, a young man that's in a bit of a hurry, it would seem, in various parts of motorsport. Uh, it's been a busy year so far. Yeah, it has been quite busy. It's um, I suppose it's been busy in terms of, you know, driving a lot, probably a few different cars, but, um, you know, my main focus this year, the Super 2 Series, um, we haven't even had our second round, so it's been three months out of the seat in that car. Um, so, yeah, we had a test day only the other day and Winton's only next week, so uh, it's certainly starting to get pretty busy now. No, it's great. I mean, it certainly hasn't been a quiet three months, it must be said. Um, I mean, it's been a bit happen. I mean, number one thing, of course, which we will touch on later, is the Bathurst 1000 start with Super Cheap Auto and Russell Inga, which is huge. Um, obviously doing some testing, a bit of Excel racing. Um, and then most recently, you jumped behind a wheel of an AMG GT3 with Prince Jeffrey. How was that? Yeah, it's pretty unreal, you know always wanted to drive a GT3, probably didn't expect it to come um, for me so young. Uh, but, yeah, it was an awesome experience. Obviously, Taylor and Ben's a pretty good track. The GT3 is basically perfectly built for him. So, um, yeah, it was an awesome experience. Um, just, you know, like a little bucket list tick for me to drive a GT3 car. So, uh, yeah, it was good. It's just for me, I've just been trying to get as many miles as I can and to be able to jump into a car like that, 
Um, you know, with Prince Jeffrey, I've been helping so much while he's been out in Australia. So I've been doing a lot of coaching with him, which has been great. So um, it's like teaming up with a good mate of mine. So it was good fun. That's good. And hanging out with princes, I mean, that's not a bad weekend. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's pretty cool. And, you know, being in Triple Eight as well, you know, we've come to know each other quite well. And, you know, any time I can spend, um, you know, with people in Triple Eight or, you know, himself, it's, it's been great for me. So uh, a lot of new faces this year, but it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been a pretty meteoric rise since you left go-karts, what, about three years ago. Um, basically, coming through the Toyota 86 series, then into Super 3, Super 2. We sort of call it Super 2 last year and then um, staying in Super 2 this year. When I refer to last year, I mean, of course, um, everything under COVID was cut right back. So that's what I mean. And uh, now you're in at uh, 888-888 with backing of Boost Mobile and uh, Super Cheap Auto. Yeah, it's, you know, looking back on it, it's been a pretty crazy few years for me. It's only just over three years since I started racing cars and you know, I've already had a Bathurst 1000 start about to go into my second Bathurst 1000 as the leading driver. So, um, yeah, things have been pretty crazy in the last few years, especially, you know, it was only a few years ago I was racing go-karts. So uh, it's been awesome for me. Um yeah, feel like I've achieved and done so much for my age. So I'm, you know, pretty happy of that and proud of, you know, what not just myself but the team and my family around me have um, been able to do in such a short time. Yeah, because we must remind people that you are only 18. You only turned 18 on Bathurst weekend last year in October. It's uh, it's remarkable to think you almost feels like you've been around forever. Well, I've certainly been watching you forever since you since you started in go karts. And the big announcement uh, just over a month ago uh, was that you'll be heading to Bathurst with uh, Russell Inga, one of the all time greats, and Super Cheap Auto. Um, when did they first approach you to tell you that Russell may be or was going to be your co-driver and how did you react to that? Yeah, it was pretty funny when we sat down with RD and he, I sort of knew a little bit earlier on that um, the super cheap wildcard looked like happening and that I was going to be a part of that. Um, and then it was, you know, finding a, finding a secondary driver. And when he told me it was Russell, I've got such a great relationship with Russell and, um, you know, his family with mine over many years, even before I was born, actually. So um, there's a great relationship there. And, um, yeah, I was very surprised, to say the least, when he said that Russell was going to be driving. He didn't say the last time. He said, oh, yeah, Russell will be driving with your Bathurst. I'm like, Russell? Russell Luke. And he's like, yeah, Russell Lingle. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a big shock to me. But, um, no, nah, it's awesome to be, you know, pairing up with him, Super Cheap Auto and Triple Eight um, to tackle my second 1,000. Certainly yeah, um, very excited for it. Yeah, Russell, I mean, your dad goes way back with him in the motorbike days and um, supported him through. So it's quite a remarkable thing. You'll be the oldest, youngest driver combination in the history of the great race. I mean, Russell's, what, late 50s now, you're 18, will be 19 um, by the time they're almost 19, actually, when the, before the race kicks off. So, um, yeah, it's an incredible story. And I think that um, when I first heard it, I was excited about it because I thought this just works. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, you know, that relationship that we do have going back in the past is only going to help us, you know, going into the race as well. So um, there's, you know, we both know what we got to do going into the weekend and there's, it's not like I'm not trying to help him. Like we're both trying to help each other as much as we can before we get to that race to make sure we do the best results. So uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to pair up with Russell and yeah, certainly very excited for the opportunity and to represent, you know, super cheap auto and be driving a, 
a car that's going to be capable of winning the race. Um, it's pretty exciting for myself and for Russell as well. Yeah, for sure. And behind the scenes, you're going to have um, you're going to have Paul Morris in your corner, also your dad in the corner calling the shots and rolling. So pretty formidable, um, pretty formidable operation as you head to the mountain. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's awesome for me. You know, coming into Triple Eight this year, I already feel so a part of the family, and you know, to have this opportunity come up so soon and now moving into a new team's awesome so there's some great people around us obviously Paul's going to have a, a massive input into it you know with myself and Russell he's sort of helped out and looked after over the years so that's going to be great and obviously Roland will be floating around but uh yeah it's it's just certainly going to be an exciting weekend for us and uh yeah just being surrounded by great people is probably the, uh, the best thing for us yeah, and um, I can tell you that Super Cheap Auto are super excited. I was speaking to Benjamin uh, with another hat on the other day, and um, they cannot wait to get it up to the mountain and get stuck into it. So I think it's a great program. It's going to be fascinating to keep an eye on that over the next six months. On the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, we tend to go off the track a little bit and um, find out a little bit more about the person and their journey through the sport and how they got to... Um, to where they've got to i guess you were literally born into it um on both sides from both sides with your parents both of your parents were heavily involved in the sport yeah exactly and i think maybe a lot of people don't realize you know i'm i'm so young but i've literally been involved in racing you know even before i remember actually i started racing motorbikes at the age of three so uh, racing certainly not something new for me. It's literally been my whole life. Like, as you know, you sort of say that in a term, but like, no joke, it's literally been my whole life. I've been involved around racing and, and you know, my dad was a professional motorbike rider. That was his job when he went into distributing and importing, you know, motorcycles in Australia. Mum um, and dad ironically met at a racetrack. Um, <laughs> a big surprise there. So, uh, yeah, motorsports well and truly in my DNA and, just growing up, been around so many, I've been so fortunate to grow up around, you know, world champions and legends of, you know, motorcycle racing, uh, you know, just of so many sports, which I've been so lucky to, you know, grow up around and sort of pick their brain over the years. So I think being involved with racing from such a young age and the people that I've been able to hang around with and uh, feed off has certainly um, helped me progress in my career. Yeah, your dad, I mean, he's probably one of the best known uh, motorcycle importers, not just in Australia, but certainly around the world. I think at one stage, um, he was the biggest dealer of Husqvarna anywhere in the world by uh, by volume. Um, also dealt with the likes of Ducati, uh, was it Kajiva and MV Augusta yeah. at the time as well? Yeah, so, you know, started off with the Kawasaki dealership. Um, up here on the Gold Coast and then eventually ended up um, importing, distributing Kajiva, MV Augusta and Husqvarna. Um, by the end, it was just Husqvarna motorcycles. So basically from as far as I can remember, it was just Husqvarna. Um, and he ran a perfect, like a race team in Enduro and motocross at the start. So every weekend, basically, I was going to a racetrack and, you know, hanging out with the team. And I was probably that little kid that annoyed everyone running around <laughs> and uh, hanging out with all the riders and that. So... You know, I got pretty cool memories of hanging out with guys that were coming over from Europe and staying at home. And these are guys that you know, won X Games and were world champions in the sport. So it was pretty cool, you know, just being this little kid, annoying, you know, people with such high caliber. So, uh, yeah, it's been pretty fortunate, you know, um, grew up around such great people. 
Yeah, Daria, a friend, Kitty tells a funny story about your dad on um, on Rusty's podcast um, when he actually got a bike from your dad and fell off. I think he broke his back or something like that. And then your dad's retort to it when I brought it up with him was like, well, I've never had a problem in my life, so I don't know what he was doing wrong. <laughs> but your mum, Sue, she was in the promotional side, is that right, with like Rothmans and so on? Yeah, so she ran all the promotion and all the promo girls um, for, yeah, was it Win- Winfield? Winfield, Winfield yeah. back in the day? Winfield back in the day? Yeah. Um, yeah, so she was, yeah, basically the supercar rounds, all the NRL stuff and all that. So, yeah, she was sort of the head of all the promo chicks and all that, which was, um, yeah, how they ended up meeting at a racetrack. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool, you know, this family. You know, it's, it's so involved in racing and, um, yeah, growing up and, you know, exactly what I want to do and I suppose you look back at the history of the family and it it exactly suits so uh yeah it's pretty cool to have parents that are you know so supportive and understand what it takes in racing yeah 100 percent well right we better give uh your brother Lockie a shout out too he's doing an amazing job in the blockchain world with his company Labrus he'd be probably Australia's leading blockchain fintech company in Australia I think wouldn't he yeah he is so you know he's four years older than me and you know to be honest, it would have been interesting to see if he carried on. You know, we both started racing motorbikes young. Um, you know, he was the same age as Remy Gardner and used to race Remy in Australia and dirt track and all that. So um, very good on a dirt bike he was. And even when we started karting, um, yeah, he was very good. And even when we got a high karts now, I don't like to say it, but he actually sometimes even beats me, which is, you know, a bit hard for me to take. But he's very talented in motorsport as well. Um, and, yeah, he was very smart, um, probably a little bit different to me in brains. I love going to, you know, love schools and, and into his IT and started his own company a few years back. And, yeah, it's one of the biggest blockchain developers in Australia. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome, you know, to have a brother as well who's so supportive of it and lets me do my thing. Um, you know, obviously we, spend a, we spent a lot of time away from home, uh, you know, when he was sort of finishing school and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's awesome to celebrate, you know, another family member who's doing so well, even if it's not probably publicised as much as I am, he's doing any bit as good as I am, probably even a little bit better. So, yeah, it's pretty cool to have that. Yeah, 100%. You mentioned there the transition um, from motorbikes where you won a couple of Australian championships as a very young kid, moving from two wheels to four. What took you from motorbikes to go-karts? Uh, yeah, it was a, when I was about nine years old, uh, we went on a holiday to Thailand. We're in Phuket, staying there for a bit. And me and Lockie, we went to the, well, the whole family, we went to the high carts and we sort of fell in love with it pretty quick, you know. I suppose in motorsport, everyone sort of loves going and jumping in a go-kart and high carts and running into each other. And we basically did that on every day of our holiday. And when we when we got back to Australia, one of our mates from motorbikes was friends with um Kenny, who owned Chaos Karting back in the day, and there was a come and try day up at Ipswich. So we went up there, um, yeah, had a go in a go-kart, loved it. And we bought a couple of carts. And to be honest, they sat in the shed for about six months and we pressed on with the motorbikes. Uh, and then there was a, we went out to McDoan's one day, had a rip around out there. And uh, then there was one race in Gympie at the start of 2012. And that was the first race and basically never looked back on, well, I look back on motorbikes a lot all the time, but never raced the motorbike ever again. So uh yeah still absolutely love my motorbikes you know probably my favorite sport to watch is motorbike racing but got to be pretty careful riding them these days you know i don't want to don't want to do it mid-season and hurt myself 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a funny story. Uh, well, an interesting story, in fact. Like, both you and Jack Doohan came through together. Like, you you mirrored each other's karting careers, raced against each other with the fiercest of competitors uh, for a number of years and have now gone on, obviously, Jack over in Europe, you here in Australia, um, in four, on four wheels. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, me and Jack grew up as great mates, as young kids, even before we started racing each other. Um, and, you know, it's probably one of the things that half did get me into it. So we'd go down and watch Jack. I think I remember first go-kart meeting was going to watch Jack at the Lismore Young Guns in probably 2011. Um, and we went and watched him there and was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And he was sponsored by Monster at the time. I'm like, oh, how cool is this? You know, my mate, how cool is he? He's sponsored by Monster and Racing Go-Karts. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, we became probably best mates throughout those probably five, six years period where, we were intensified in a battle basically every weekend we went racing. So, um, yeah, it's it's so good to see him kicking goals over in Europe. You know, last year was quite tough for him. And, you know, we spent a bit of time over here in the off-season um, together. And, you know, it's just great to see him getting such good results, you know, in the first round this year. So, uh, yeah, we've, our paths are gone opposite ways. Um, but, you know, I think we're both going quite well in where we're at. But mentioning Monster, ironically, he's now part of the Red Bull family and you're now part of the Red Bull family as well. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, for, for me, it's like a dream come true. You know, you've been part of with one of the biggest sponsoring companies in the world that, you know, you look at, like, for me, I'd look at Red Bull athletes and be like, oh, they're like proper, you know what I mean? Mm. They're like the best, the best in their sport in the world. And to be associated with them, it's just unreal. And yeah, for this year, it came a bit of a surprise when I got told that Red Bull were going to jump on board. And yeah, it's just a great opportunity for me. You did try and get Bayless and um, and Crumpy's son across to four wheels as well. That didn't work out so well. They're back on two wheels doing pretty good as also. Yeah, exactly. We also had, we all grew up, all of us were sort of in a little, not a group together, but we're all really good mates. So um, Ollie, Ollie, I think, started racing about the same time as me and go-karts. I don't think we ever raced each other. Um I actually ended up using his engine when I won the Lismore Young Guns in my first year. I remember that. He gave us his engine. I think that's when he was going to motorbikes. And then, uh, yeah, Seth, me and him were best mates. We went through school together and everything. So he started karting for a little bit and then switched and has gone to motorbikes. And in a few years has gone from just a kid who's just jumped on a motorbike to he came second in the British Superbike 300s last year. So He's absolutely kicking goals over in, in uh, England and Ollie's kicking goals out here in Australia. Jack's killing it over in Europe. So uh, it's pretty cool too, to mate. see Come where, on. yeah, it's pretty cool to just to see how good all of our mates are going, which is awesome. Yeah, and I see old man Crumpy. He's jumped back, put the leg over again and kicked off his uh, run with the Ipswich, which is um, in British Speedway, which is unbelievable. Like, he's mid-40s, and um, I think he was actually the the highest scorer at their opening night meeting the other night. So, yeah, um, bloody unbelievable. But to go further back, uh, part of your school, before you left go-karts, to go to... Um, uh, to go into car racing, you were developing your off-track skills with an apprenticeship um, and you're doing a TAFE alongside your schooling. Can you talk about that program? Yes, I think at the start, of, at the end of year nine, start of year 10, I started doing a mechanical apprenticeship. Uh, so that was a year in year 10 I moved into the car racing. So um, we sort of went to the school because I was basically missing the last two days of every week, like Thursday or Friday, um, 
a lot, especially when we'll cart him. You know, you're away on you know, testing a lot and racing a lot. Um, and we sort of went to the school and they mentioned about this uh, school-based apprenticeship. So we sat down with them and, and went through it and there was a mechanical apprenticeship available and which I was able to do with dad's work when he still had the, the go-kart business. And um, this was when we first started getting into cars. So I was able to work under one of the guys that worked for dad, Vic. And uh, yeah, it's it sort of suited him perfect because it was when we started getting the age six. So um, you know, myself, Vic and Johnny were able to work on the 860 that we ran it ourselves that year. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool for me just to start to get a little bit of an understanding of probably what the car does. Um, and, you know, certainly now my knowledge is way more than it was back then. And I then transitioned into working at Norwell, which was, well, for when I raced Super 3. So, yeah, it was, it's been pretty cool, you know, just to be able to um, learn a little bit more about the car and, you know, have that association with tape was, was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, they, they utilised you quite a bit, especially in the 86 year, um, I guess as a bit of a poster boy for their vocational education uh, program and so on. And obviously you've gone on now, you're doing it, you've been doing it up at Norwell while you're also driver training um, up there. And I think Flash Nash Morris was doing a similar sort of course, was he? Yeah, so he's, um, he's doing a full-time kind of apprenticeship. So he actually pulled out of year 11 of school. I believe year 11 of school and did his apprenticeship full-time where I continued mine through school and I've actually um, put it on hold at the moment and I'm just doing the driver training up at Norwell. So um, yeah, it was, it was awesome for me to gain that knowledge in those years that I was at school. And, you know, every Friday I'd, I'd go to dad's work or eventually I ended up going to Norwell and helping Richie on my super three car was pretty cool. And now I've sort of slided into the driver training up at Norwell. And with the with what you're doing at Norwell, working on your race car, how much did that assist you when you went to the racetrack and being able to translate that to your engineer? Yeah, it definitely did help. Um, so, like, I was just a 16-year-old kid back then. Like, to be honest, I don't have the world's biggest interest in cars or know a heap about cars, but just any little thing that I could gain out of it or help the team, um, that's probably the biggest thing was just, especially at the start is getting to know the team and by the end of the year and still now we're like a big family out there at Norwell so uh, yeah it was pretty awesome just to get to know everyone and help them out as much as I could and any little thing that I could gain of knowledge um, certainly obviously helped helped me for that year and uh, yeah makes makes things a bit easier and you know they made sure when I was racing that Super 3 season they explained everything that we were doing in the car so I had a feeling or understood what I was actually doing rather than just doing a change and saying it was faster or slower. Yeah, for young guys coming through, young guys or girls coming through, what sort of advice would you give in terms of learning as much technically about the car as you possibly can? Um, I suppose it depends, like, what your path is looking at. Like, XL category is probably the biggest starter path, you know, in probably Australian motorsport for a young kid or girl. Uh, boy or girl coming through at the moment and I think the best thing about excels is you basically go to the track with your mum and dad and you know some people might have mechanics some might not and you go race for the weekend you work on it yourself um, and you know you get advice from you know Norwell crew or people like us that are happy to help and stuff like that so for me I think the biggest thing that I've learned out of you know understanding the car has probably been working on my excel so um, we bought an XL first and then we sold it and me and my dad literally built an XL race car by ourselves, and, um, you know, with the help of some professionals um, and it's probably one of the fastest cars in Australia at the moment. So just doing changes and 
understanding like what you're doing in Excel is similar changes to what you do in a V8 supercar. So for me, it was working on that and understanding what changes do actually makes a very big difference. Yeah, and what you've been part of at um, at Norwell, moving on to that from a driver training um, perspective, while you're sort of moved up the ranks there fairly quickly, you've been heavily involved with a few kids that are, are transitioning from carts to cars. And I, I know that's a program that you're, I guess, running uh, partially for Norwell out there is the carts to cars program. Um, how important has that uh, driver training and working with Paul Morris personally and then being able to work with others been to your career? Yeah, it has been awesome. You know, Paul's been unreal with me. Um, back in 2018 when I first started, he literally came and picked me up from home and taught me how to drive a car and that was only January in yeah, 2018. So it wasn't far ago. You know, I've known Paul for a long time. So um, he's kept a close eye. I mean, as soon as we got into cars, we knew that's that was the place where we needed to go. So um, you know, the knowledge that I've gained over the years, I'm so happy that I'm able to translate it into kids that were my age only a few years ago. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. I absolutely love working out there. Um, never really a bad day when you're driving a race car. So, but, you know, for me, really like helping, you know, kids coming up through that are moving out of go-karts into cars and um, met some great people through there. And, you know, some people that I helped in karting when I was a little bit younger as well. Um, I've been, you know, fortunate enough to bring them up through Norwell and, uh, yeah, such a great facility and the things that you learn out there um, really makes you a fast race car driver. Yeah, like the driver training thing, it's um, it's huge over in the UK and Europe. Everyone speaks about Rob Wilson and going to see him um, on the airstrip and what have you. In Australia, yeah, as I say, it's a relatively new thing, but Paul's really um, pioneered that. And I guess you were one of the very first, I guess, that have really gone out on the national stage um, with a bang, so to speak. Yeah, and no, it has been awesome. So, yeah, those those first, well, that first full year and, even you know, even up to now's date, um, Paul's just been helping me as much as he can with his my well, his driver training with me um, and the whole crew out there. Robbo is like the head driver coach out there. Um, you know, I've had heaps of lessons or just during the day that say just jump in, we'll go for a few laps. So, it's, you know, boosted my career so much and certainly wouldn't be where I am without the amount of miles I've done, um, which has been so fortunate to be able to do it out there. So, um, yeah, that first year in the 86s um, certainly certainly was booming. Um, and, you know, it was awesome to, you know, drive out there and just any time you can spend on a track. So it's so hard racing cars and trying to spend time on a racetrack because it's so limited and it costs so much. So it's like the perfect opportunity to get as many laps in as you can. Yeah, I hear back in those early days while you're in the um, the mechanical shit out there that you're the dude's secret weapon when it came to the Friday afternoon shootouts. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, he'd normally pull me off the work floor and say, come on, we got a shootout out there. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Everyone would be out there driver training and stuff like that. And then I'd rock up off the off the floor in the workshop and go out and lay a time on it. So it was pretty cool. You know, we trained in Gisberg and then some V8 boys would go out there. And, um, yeah, it's probably where I started becoming friends with a few of those guys. So, uh, yeah, the shootouts are a bit of fun. It just puts a little bit of pressure on you. So once you get in the moment, um, it feels a little bit easier. Yeah, I, I hear that you might have shocked a certain SVG with the first time that he got to see you pounding around out there. And ironically, now you're his, uh, you're his teammate at Triple Eight. You're part of the, all part of the Triple Eight family. 
Yeah, exactly. And I still remember probably the first time that I met SVG out there. Um, they were all mucking around and we jumped in a shootout and, uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. Very, very close at the end. I think we're only split by a couple of thousandths of a second. But, uh, yeah, just you know, being able to associate with the guys out at Norwell, that's why I'm driving for Triple Eight is because of the people that I met at Norwell, Roland Dane out there when we went and came to an XL meeting with me. It's the reason I got the drive. So, um, yeah, the people you meet out there is unreal. Yeah, we don't have too much along the left, but um, if we go back to Bathurst earlier on this year, walking in, there'd been a lot of talk about you uh, moving across from Tickford uh, to Triple Eight. You go out um, front row and then walk away with the, the race victory in your first Super 2 race of the year with Triple Eight. You could see the relief um, through the in-car camera. What was it like underneath the helmet? Yeah. It is a big relief, you know. I know how much effort you know I've put in myself, and um, yeah, not just me, everyone around me. So to go to a new team, um, represent Red Bull, Boost, Mobile, and Super Cheap Auto, and uh, yeah, win the first race um, meant so much to me. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been you know, a big journey. As I said, it's going back since when I was three years old that I started racing. So uh, yeah, to to win that race was unreal, and um, it just gives me gives you that little extra motivation to go out and do it again so uh yeah that first taste of victory was very sweet but uh definitely chasing the next one yeah the weekend after we actually record this year off to uh to winston for the second round so hopefully that um championship charge can uh, can continue on from there and so one other thing from um a young driver's perspective i wanted to touch on uh which we haven't so far is boost mobile um that's been a fairly interesting relationship um, since that first started. Talk us through where the Boost Mobile relationship started and then we'll get to where it is now. Yeah, so in 2019 when I was running the Super Super 3 Series um, at Queensland Raceway, it was actually the weekend all the Kostecki boys had their Boost, boost stuff announced. Um, Jason Haynes was up there and Paul has a great relationship with him, Nathan Kayser and all that group. So, um Jason came up and introduced himself to me and said, um, you know, talking to Paul and said, you know, we'll do something with you. Um, we'll sign you up to be a part of the Boost family. Um, and yeah, so it just, ha- it just happened so quick. He just basically came up. We had a quick chat and um, obviously all came through Paul and Norwell and everything like that. And yeah, being involved with them has been awesome. And where it's taken me in such a short amount of time has been pretty crazy. I think, um, I think the lesson that is to come out of that, that initially the program was, Here's a telephone. Here's a cap. We're going to look after you from um, a phone perspective, um, and then it blossomed to the point where they've um, where they've sponsored you uh, properly. That's that's yeah. a fair assessment. Yeah, exactly. And I, I suppose that's the thing that you got to look at as a young kid. You know, you take like any any bit of support you can get from any single person. Um, you know, it can turn into something massive, and that's what happened with me and Boost. It, you know, started little. Um, you know, I tried to treat them as best well as I could. And um, I think I've tried to achieve that. Um, and it's turned into something massive. I ended up with about 1,000 drive yes. basically within 18 months of being with them. Um, so, you know, the opportunity that Pete and Jason from Boost gave me, um, absolutely out of this world. And it was a massive dream come true for me to you know, line up on the grid for him. Yeah, I think what you, what you were and what you are um, is what these young guys coming through, young guys and girls should be should be looking at on how you look after a sponsor. Like when they came on board, um, 
you and I catch up with each other quite a bit in the family and so on. Uh, from the time that, that they uh, came on board, I never saw you without a boost hat on your head, even at private family functions and so on. You always had the boost cap on. It was the same at the racetrack. Uh, you're doing the right things on social media. You're engaging uh, with with them on social media as well. And um, Pete Addison's uh, obviously a guy that uh, takes all of these things in, regardless of where he is in the world at a particular time and recognise that. So I think... You know, that's the way that you need to service a sponsor is if even so, if someone comes in with something small, um, you never know where that something small is going to lead you. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, it's little things like just wearing a hat all the time. You know, and that's that's what Pete wrote when he said he when he gave me the drive. He basically or he called me up from the US and said, um, we can't, you know, thank you enough for what you've done for us. Um, you're always wearing your hat. Whenever you're doing an interview, you're always thinking boost and all that. And it's it's just the real little things that count, um, you know, especially for Pete is being so supportive of me and, you know, just those tiny little things count. So, yeah, I try and represent them as best as I can. I'm, you know, you always look at, uh, you know, for example, like Michael Schumacher and Nicky Lauda, they've always got that, you know, you picture them with that hat on, yeah. you know, the red caps that they used to wear back in the day. And I'm just trying to basically replicate that with my Boost Mobile hat, just always wearing it and trying to get the brand out because I know if, if they get sales, then it's going to help me in the future. Yeah, I've, I've converted over to Boost as a result. I've got a couple of other people that I've bought on board as well and um, terrific product. But, um, you know, it's a great point that you make there that it's those small things and um, it's not like, Brock, you were sort of seeking out anyone to tell you that that's what you should be doing. It's like you've done it off your own bat to say thank you um, to these guys. And as you say, uh, it's become something synonymous with you uh, or will become something synonymous with you as the, um, as the Schumacher and the Parmalat hat with Nicky Lauder and so on back in the day. Yeah, exactly. You just, you just got to look after the people that are helping you out. You know, um, everyone knows that motorsport is very tough and costs a lot of money and, any little thing that you can get, you really got to thank the people that are doing it for you. So, uh, yeah, to have those guys on board. And yeah, as I said, what it turned into a Bathurst 1000 drive and they're supporting me this year, not only on my helmet, but my race car as well. Um, yeah, it's awesome to be part of the Boost family. And, you know, not only that, you feel like you are a part of the family with, you know, such high credentialed people. It's very similar, you know, product-based and family-based orientated as Red Bull is. There's, this high-end level of athletes that boost it with. And once you, you know, sort of join them, you, you feel like you're part of this family. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, Pete's a pretty out there sort of dude and, um, you know, on, on the odd occasion might make a fairly outlandish statement, but if you look at his business credentials, uh, particularly with what he's achieved over in the United States and um, a good... Uh, essay on that is David Reynolds' um, uh, podcast that he did a couple of weeks ago. That's actually up on KO. He and uh, Michael Caruso had Pete Adderton in their studio for an hour and a half, and um, it was actually a sensational watch. And um, yeah, go and have a look into Pete Adderton's history and what this guy's achieved and how he went about his business to build it. And um, you know, it's a it's a pretty awesome um, Australian business story, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. Pete's, Pete's done everything, you know what I mean? Your motorsport and in, in the world in general of business. Um, yeah, he's been very successful in business, but it's, you know, so great for him to, you know, really support the grassroots of racing. And, you know, he sponsors quite a few in go-karts, um, some some young kids. And, um, you know, he's got Taylor Agus, the girl, Oscar Priest. Um, he's got some, you know, great young kids that he's looking after. 
And it just shows, you know, with the sponsor like Boost Mobile, it's V8 supercars in Australia and it's karting, it's go-karting in Australia. And he's got all the in-between. So for someone to help so many young kids and give them an opportunity like he did to me, um, yeah, I certainly can't thank him enough for what he's done to me. And, you know, he's got me where I am today. Yeah, cool. And so before we go, next weekend, obviously Winton, uh, then it gets a little bit busier. Then, of course, the mountain, it awaits. What's the hope for the rest of the year and at Bathurst? Yeah, it's an exciting year coming up. Obviously, only done the one round so far and we're um, second in the championship point. So definitely looking forward to getting back in the car again. Uh, yeah, the aim is definitely to try and go out and win this championship in the Super 2 this year and then obviously leading into Bathurst is going to be quite exciting. So for me, just any miles I can get at the moment, especially in a supercar, is very vital. And um, I'm so excited to be lining up for my second time at the Bathurst 1000. It's pretty crazy. Um, it'll be twice twice in a year, actually, because of the dates. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome for me. Um, just an awesome opportunity. And it's sort of hard because you, you've got to have Bathurst in the back of your mind because it's the time of year where you've got to really step up your physical training and everything. But then at the same time, it's just trying to focus on Winton. Um, so, yeah, it's an exciting time of the year and uh, looking forward to it. Terrific, mate. Thank you for your time. It's been great to have you on the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. We'll be following on very closely and uh, we wish you all the very best. No worries. Thanks for having me, mate. Our team here trust you enjoyed that chat with Brock Feeney. As we said in the intro, he's a young man moving very quickly. There were some great lessons to anyone really, but especially those coming through the early ranks of sport about looking after sponsors and building solid relationships. Until next time on the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, powered by Motivate Training, I'm Matt Payne and we'll catch you then. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Team. Until next time, take care.